Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we are going to be taking a brief break from our Hall of Fame interview series, which will probably resume sometime this weekend or next week, because there's quite a bit of news to cover. But before we get to the fun stuff, I just wanted to let you know that tonight's episode is brought to you by the fine folks at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. And now on to our first piece of news. The first ever pandemic bubble Stanley Cup Finals are now officially over, and the Tampa Bay Lightning have defeated the Dallas Stars four games to two. Last night's game was a pretty convincing win for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think that despite Dallas putting up a pretty valiant effort throughout this series, we all kind of knew that to some degree Tampa Bay was most likely the squad that was going to come out on the victorious side, and it's not really shocking. Tampa Bay has incredible depth. They spent quite a few assets to build this roster, and for the past several seasons now, they've been one of the most accomplished NHL franchises without the exact payoff that you're looking for. Barring one or two minor missteps, the Lightning have for the most part built an incredible lineup, but for some reason, you know, they just couldn't quite beat the hump that has really kind of haunted them for the past couple of years. Finally, though, they've done it against the Dallas Stars under very unusual circumstances, but I really don't think that there's any particular asterisk to put on this this cup win. I mean, this was hard-earned. Dallas put up a valiant fight again, but Tampa Bay was just the better team overall because they got the better saves. And their playmakers and depth players that they brought in to make a difference actually made a genuine difference. I think one of the biggest ones was Blake Coleman, who, sitting in that bottom six unit, really anchored that third line and middle six unit. The Lightning's top six has never been in question, but the rest of the roster certainly could have used a little bit more depth, and that's exactly what they got when they brought in Coleman for a first-round pick. Oftentimes, when you bring in a player like Coleman, they don't always have the exact impact that you're looking for, especially when you're spending such an expensive asset on a guy who is ostensibly just going to be a rental. Coleman, though, was such a good, pivotal part of this team, and especially in the way that he could dominate his matchups, and he ended up helping them win a cup, that you absolutely are happy to have paid that first-round pick. If you're going to buy a rental asset, Blake is the exact kind of player that you want because he gives you that extra layer of matchup ability where you can essentially run two second lines and, generally speaking, smoke the rest of your lineup matchups. And I think that that is something that can't be overstated, especially for a team that was already as deep as the Lightning are, but a guy like Coleman just put them over the top. I also think that he came in at a very critical time. You know, they've been without Stamkos for a very long portion of this season. I know that they've won the cup without Stephen, but Stamkos puts them over the top with a roster that was already pretty overkill as it is. He may be towards the latter stages of his career at this stage, but he's still one of the best goal scorers this league has ever seen. He's an incredibly dynamic offensive talent and obviously an elite first-line player, especially in being a proven elite finisher either at even strength or on the power play. You know, in the one game that he played, you saw him score a beautiful shorthanded goal, and that's the kind of goal-scoring ability that he can bring when he's allowed to be at his best. Unfortunately, his health has failed him over the past couple of seasons, and I I think that that is going to be a tough thing going forward, but that's why Braden Point's emergence as a franchise forward and really one of the best centers in the NHL is such a blessing for this Tampa Bay team. They have an amazing roster, there's no doubt, but Point just puts them over the top in a way that I don't think 
they even had when Stamkos was healthy. Interestingly, Victor Hedman was the one who was given the Conn Smythe Award, which I don't think you can really say is, is a problem. It's not the exact pick that I would have made. I think point for me was in every game that he played, especially in the ones that Tampa Bay won, the best player overall. Point is just such a dynamic creator and constantly opens up shooting lanes and passing lanes for his teammates, has incredible edge work, and was able to cut down to that net front low slot area where he was just an unholy menace. I really feel like Braden's coming out party was sort of delivered in, in dramatic fashion in this postseason, even though he's been doing a lot of this stuff during the regular seasons. I just don't think that, you know, with the, the Tampa Bay Lightning being as deep as they are, and with so many star-studded players, maybe people didn't recognize that Point was this good. But a lot of the prognosticators, especially on the fancy stat side, have for a long time been, you know, spotlighting Braden as one of the chief creators for this team. And I feel like this postseason was him putting his stamp on the entire playoff run. It's really crazy that he's signed for less than $10 million because he is that kind of player. You know, you compare him to a guy like McDavid or Eichel, or even a guy like Nate McKinnon, and I think Point absolutely belongs in that conversation as one of those truly elite franchise centers. What he can do when he's on the puck and able to create space and use his stick handling, his edge work, and his great release to create offensive opportunities, it's just magical. He's an ever-present threat, and when you look at his box scores during this entire playoff run, he had 33 points in 23 games. That is absolutely insane, especially for a guy who's 24 now. I really feel like Braden, you know, he's just been such an amazing player, and it's truly something that he is perhaps one of the most underappreciated top-line centers in the league. But after the Stanley Cup run, I feel like his name-brand recognition is going to go through the roof. The stuff that he did throughout this entire series and throughout this entire postseason picture was just phenomenal. And I feel like he definitely, for me, stood out among the rest of Tampa Bay's elite skaters as the clear and, and far and away Conn Smythe winner, in my opinion. All that said, I, I'm not surprised that they elected to choose Hedman. He played a ton of minutes on that first pairing. He basically was an offensive force every time he stepped on the ice. He had 10 goals in 25 games and was one of the key contributors from the back end. And I feel like they would probably say that his goals were clutch. For me, I, I don't always subscribe to that notion, but certainly there are times when scoring is more important than others, and I feel like that is doubly magnified when you're in the postseason and facing elimination games. My other Conn Smythe pick, though, probably would have been Anton Hudobin, who I feel like carried this the Stars' defense all the way through to a, a near Stanley Cup Finals win, especially in games where Dallas really wasn't generating much in the way of offensive opportunities, where they like to get their bread and butter in the opposing net front area. Hudobin had to do double duty. You know, he isn't the kind of guy who you would imagine to be a playoff hero, but he carried this team through some really lean scoring times. He was consistently one of this postseason picture's best goaltenders, and I really feel like if you had to pick an MVP for a team, especially Dallas, he easily wins that award. I, I still would give the uh, the Conn Smythe to point if I had to choose between Hudobin and point, but for obvious reasons, I think Hudobin had a very, very strong case. Barring his first couple of games against Tampa Bay, I really feel like his overall playoff performance can't be overstated, and he was just such a monster in net. It'll be interesting to see what they do next season, especially once Bishop is healthy. With that, we wrap up our Stanley Cup Finals coverage and now start to look more towards the future, especially with some big-name players who might be on the trading market. But before then, I thought I'd tell you a little bit about tonight's title sponsors, rockauto.com. Maintaining your vehicle can often be a bit of a tenuous balance. For one thing, you have to know what you're looking for, and you need to know that you're getting the best deals in the parts you're ordering because costs add up very quickly. If you're in need of an auto parts store you can trust, look no further than rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. 
Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to search by make, year, and model for your vehicle, as well as a price range filter so you get the exact car parts you need at the price you want. Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement for the one you destroyed after that last greasy taco you dropped, rockauto.com is sure to have what you want in stock. And best of all, you can save anywhere from 20 to 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. When you place an order, be sure to write locked on in the how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com today and don't delay. Welcome back to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. We now shift our focus back towards the Jets briefly because we have had quite a few rumors recently about Patrick Laine being on the trade market. I know it often tends to be that during the offseason and especially in these COVID era months where we are sort of without a lot of hockey news and updates... The usual talking heads and commentators tend to get a little bit antsy. They're looking for insider scoops, they want to get the trade market going, they want to get a little bit more clickbait, and I feel like Patrick Laine is kind of falling victim to this. His name has been circulating a lot recently, and there are all sorts of rumors swirling around the Jets possibly being willing to swap him for some kind of a defenseman or a center. When you really think about the logistics of doing a trade in this particular market, I think that there are a couple of serious issues that arise when you're talking about trading somebody like Patrick Laine. The first is that, for one thing, I don't think the Jets are really going to get anything particularly good in exchange for what Line A brings. Everyone knows that Patrick is, in fact, one of the most talented goal scorers to ever grace this league. All you have to do is look at his release and realize that this kid is gifted with the kind of goal-scoring tools that players just absolutely dream of. In sheer physical traits alone, he is an incredibly rare specimen, but I think when you start to realize that there's more of a package to him, especially in his underappreciated passing game and his continued development in his two-way transition game, there's a guy here who's turning into a bonafide first-line winger without any sort of qualifications to hold him back. For obvious reasons, his defensive game is still a work in progress, but I felt like over this past year, he's made real strides in where he's positioning himself in the defensive zone. I think his gapping has gotten better. He definitely still struggles with battles along the wall, but I think that that's something that can be forgiven. And yeah, look, he is a little bit of an awkward skater. I think all of these things can be true about him, but I also think that when it comes to line A, he really is one of the most tantalizing prospects the league has. I almost want to call him a prospect too, because I feel like we've yet to see him at his true ceiling. This kid has the potential to be a really bonafide elite winger with absolutely eye-popping goal-scoring ability. So for the Jets to really be considering shopping him is alarming to me because I feel like we already have some cost-controlled assets that I would look about swapping first. You know, I, I think if you're going to move one of the big three young players, Kyle Connor would be my first pick. Line's all-around game is a lot more mature than Connor's is, and I feel like Line is still developing to the point where his year-over-year improvement from last season to this year might be signs of, of true growth. Whereas Connor is mostly a finished product, and I don't think that his game is going to particularly change. And obviously, we love that Connor is capable of scoring 40 goals pretty easily. What some of us don't really care for is the rest of his game, which is lacking in certain areas, especially in the defensive zone. You know, for as many goals as he scores, he tends to give up a lot of stuff going the other way. That he's not really able to help out his linemates and actually needs somebody centering him that's elite in play-driving ability in order for Connor to even get into those opportunities where he can score goals is kind of an issue. On his own, Connor is not really as capable of creating space and opportunities, which isn't great when you're being paid as much as he is and asked to continually be one of the top players on the team. Aside from that particular point, I also think that the teams that the Jets have been linked to don't really have anything I'm interested in. You know, Columbus and LA were talked about as two teams this week that might have an 
an interest in Line A services. Everyone could use Line A, but obviously not many teams can afford him. And people were talking about the Jets maybe looking at Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones from Columbus as an option. Immediately, I just have to say no to that deal because I feel like neither Wierenski nor Jones are good enough to really replace the kind of value that Line A brings. A couple of seasons ago, both of those defenders were actually top-marked guys, and I think that they had really upward trajectories. And then the past couple of years have sort of... I think, uh, tempered my expectations of what their seasons are going to look like. You know, they're both still talented defenders, but I feel like Jones in particular is defensively poor. He's not really somebody who handles zone denials all that well. And Wierenski is mostly just an attacking-minded skater in the back end, so I don't really feel like either of those defensemen actually fit what the Jets need. You know, we're looking for more like Vili Heinola or Miro Heiskanen kinds of guys that need to be coming the other way, and for obvious reasons, Columbus won't be willing to give that up. The only player that I would want from their roster is Pierre-Luc Dubois. There's just no way that PLD is leaving that team. He is an elite young center, and I feel like Columbus absolutely adores him. So for that reason, I feel like that's going to be a no right off the bat. The other team that the Jets might be uh, getting calls from is LA, but I just don't really see a fit there because the Jets need NHL-ready players right now. They're not really looking for futures for Line 8. They need guys who are going to be stepping into the lineup and being impact players almost from day one. Right now, LA has a phenomenal prospect pool because of just how bad they've been over the past couple of seasons and the fact that their scouting departments have done a pretty good job identifying a number of young talents to bring into their system. The problem is most of those prospects really aren't NHL ready and it's going to be several seasons before a lot of those guys start to see NHL ice time. If you're going to be moving line A, it's got to be somebody who helps bolster this core right now because I feel like, you know, the Jets can't afford to wait much longer. You look at the age of this roster, and it's starting to get up there. Shifley's already 27, you know, Connor is 23 or 24, so he's starting to hit his prime years. You've got Wheeler, who's in his, you know, early to mid-30s now. This team isn't the baby-faced youngster squad it was a couple of seasons ago. These guys are all in their most productive years, and it's really important that Winnipeg starts to push for a cup run. In my mind, trading away Line A, especially in this market, when there just aren't many opportunities that you could even make a swap, it's just a mistake waiting to happen. No one, in my opinion, is untouchable, especially guys who are, are perhaps from a position of strength for the Jets, which right now is winger. But if you're going to trade somebody, you have to make sure that their value on the trade market is actually acceptable. You know, Connor is one of those guys who I feel like is massively overvalued right now. While he certainly shows up on the box score sheet, I feel like the rest of his game leaves me wanting, and at $7.5 or so per year, I feel like you could make better uses of that cap space. Line A will obviously need a new contract soon, but I feel like if you're going to pay a lot of money for a young star talent like Patrick, I feel like he's got to be the guy that you take over somebody like Connor, who's a little bit more limited in the scope. For me, I think the most likely scenario is that Line A remains Jet at least for the next year, but maybe if things start heating up and the Jets get restless, something bad happens and he's moved. Obviously, I won't stop being a Jets fan, but I will say that my desire to watch this team will definitely be weakened because, you know, this team right now is like a lottery team, especially with what happened last season. I feel like Hellebuck was the only thing standing between the Jets and Oblivion. Not getting to watch one of the most gifted goal scorers to ever skate in Winnipeg Jets colors is just going to be a very hard thing for me to stomach, especially as a fan. So, Winnipeg, if you're listening, please do not screw this up. I don't think I'm alone in this notion, and obviously the season ticket holders haven't been happy either. Make the most of this offseason and find line of support instead of shoving him out the door and, and getting rid of one of the best talents to ever wear your colors.
Speaking of making young star players happy, in just a little bit we're going to hop over to Buffalo because they have a similar situation brewing on their hands with GM Jack Eichel. But before then, I wanted to keep it in Winnipeg to tell you a little bit about Your Story Transmedia. Your Story is a startup in a comic book, graphic novel, and video games publisher based in Winnipeg. If you're looking with comics and stories with more of a local flavor, Your Story will have exactly what you need. They recently just started publishing an entire lineup of new comic books, including their flagship comic, The River Knows, which is set in Winnipeg during the 1960s. It's a hard-boiled detective story with noirish inspiration, supernatural elements, and an X-Files meets Mad Men vibe. I got the chance to check out the first issue recently and it's really cool. It has a slight undercurrent of cosmic horror running in the background until you see that very familiar and comforting sight of Portage in Maine. You can check out the very first issue for just $1.99 when you head over to yourstory.ca and select the ebook option. You can also purchase a hard copy for $11.99 in their 85 by 11 high quality limited print run of the same comics. If you're a gamer, be sure to keep an eye out for their upcoming published game, Alien Machine Glow, which focuses on the hijinks of a cucumber farmer who gains the ability to see aliens. You can find out more about Alien Machine Glow as well as Your Story's other comic books including Undercover UFO, Eon, and Through Space and Time and stuff when you head over to yourstory.ca. And when you place an order, be sure to use one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. Again, that it's one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. Welcome back to this closing segment of tonight's episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets show. We've talked about the Stanley Cup Finals resolution, we've talked about line trade rumors, and now perhaps one of the most juiciest rumors of all is that there was an intimation of Jack Eichel potentially being dissatisfied with the Buffalo Sabres and maybe seeking a trade out. Bob McKenzie of TSN started asking around supposedly about whether or not Jack had actually requested a trade. Now the end of the thread does say that Jack doesn't want to move and that no formal trade request was actually made. With the way that he ordered the tweets, though, and with how people tend to read that stuff, they did actually gravitate towards the first part of it, which was Jack wants out. Now, I I think that there are a couple of parts of the story. The first part is that Jack potentially being unhappy with the Sabres is, is not exactly a new rumor. This is sort of an underlying tension that has kind of covered over a lot of his tenure. I think the thing with Jack is that he's very keenly aware that the team is bad. And I also think that he understands he doesn't have as many high-end productive years as people tend to imagine. You know, he's he's one of these younger kids who maybe has an understanding that as you start to get older, the number of opportunities for you to win a championship title start to diminish, at least in theory. And maybe he feels like some of that pressure to start winning now and leading this team really falls on his shoulders. I don't think it's that he wants to leave Buffalo, but I do think that he is expecting a turnaround this season to at least be like playoff competitive or something. The Sabres have been in the bottom half of the league, sometimes as low as almost last in the league, for many seasons now and things haven't really turned around. If I'm Jack, I'm probably thinking the same thing. You know, this team doesn't really have a bright future, the drafting has been mediocre, they brought me in to be the franchise savior, and yet they can't give me the right talent pieces around me to actually build a contender. They burn through coaches and GMs like crazy, and there's just no stability with that team. And if you're Eichel, you're realizing that you don't have that many seasons of high-end productivity left. Sure, he's not going to hit like 27 or 28 and suddenly stop scoring, but you know, as he starts to get towards his 30s and he still doesn't have a championship ring... What does that mean for your personal career and your accomplishments? I think Jack wants the ring. I think he wants to be somebody who had the leadership qualities to help lead his team to a cup win. I think it's more than just the personal accolades. He wants to be seen as somebody you can rely on and somebody who has a storied reputation. Right now, though, Buffalo hasn't given him any sort of satisfactory tools to do that. If anything, this team keeps circling the drain, and if you're Eichel, you have to ask, what is your future there? If he were to make the trade market in the next year or so, I feel like every team in the league should be inquiring what the price is. I don't care if you have the cap space or not. You need to find out if Eichel is available and what it would cost to get him on your roster. 
He's one of the best centers in the league, and he went from somebody who initially was overpaid on his contract to probably being a little bit too cheap now. He's become a dominant two-way offensive threat, and I feel like the value that he provides can't be overstated. He's still in his prime, he's very young, he's clearly somebody who's outspoken and probably could be a leader for your team, and he's showing himself to be an immensely talented attacker and space creator, and actually showing some defensive resilience in his own end too. His overall game has really rounded out over the past couple of years, and I feel like Eichel doesn't get enough credit for just how far he's come. Even though he was a second overall pick, I know that he's always sort of lived in McDavid's shadow, but his overall impact is phenomenal. I think Eichel's on a very good deal, and if the Jets were to trade line eight, Eichel is the kind of return that I would be looking for. Obviously, it can't be a one-for-one because both of these guys aren't really equal in value, and the Jets would need to be adding some stuff, but there's very little that I wouldn't give up for Jack. I think that he's one of the best young NHLers in the league, and I I feel like if you're going to pay out the nose and make a huge trade, this is the kind of blockbuster that you need to be pursuing. Again, it's probably never happening, but if it does, look out, man. I mean, that would be an earth-shattering move, and I feel like a a franchise-altering trade for both teams. With that absolutely insane, tantalizing thought in your head, I'm going to close tonight's episode. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On Lightning and Star shows for more retrospectives about how the Stanley Cup Finals went, and check out the Locked On National Podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato for some overall league highlights. Thanks so much for listening, have a great night, and as always, go Jets go!